Before we get into this episode, I'd like to put out a quick trigger warning. There will be discussion of narcissistic abuse and intrusive thoughts. Also, quick disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for advice from a therapist, doctor or any other qualified professional. Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Counsellor Emma Davey joins me in this episode and we cover a lot about toxic relationships, from why people stay in them to how to heal from one. Dealing with a toxic relationship can be extremely difficult and take a toll on your physical and emotional well-being. Although it might feel like you'll never recover, with time and the effort, it is possible to come out the other side and feel confident again in yourself. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode, so I hope you enjoy and let's get into it. Hey, it's your bestie Lo. Welcome to Thrive with Lois, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and to thrive in all areas of your life. You're here because you want to grow inside and out. So are you ready? Let's thrive together. Today, we are joined by a very special guest. She has been on my podcast before, and I'm super excited for her return today. Her name is Emma Davey. She is owner and founder of My Trauma Therapy. She is winner of the Mental Health Awards 2022 and 2023 for the most compassionate narcissistic abuse provider. She is also a survivor of narcissistic abuse herself. So she has a huge huge understanding and she is one of the most amazing people that I have ever met so I'm really really thankful that she's joined me today. Oh that's so lovely of you thank you it's so nice to be back here and to see you and to talk to you again so I'm really excited. We had so much to talk about in our last podcast together which was about a year ago now actually Mm -hmm. which is is crazy and I think you was my first guest actually my first guest podcast and that episode got so much feedback from loads of people I remember we did it and so many people were messaging it like oh my god like this episode was great and if you haven't already listened to it you have to go back and listen to it first before you, you listen to today's um but Emma I would love for you to give our audience um a bit of you know information about yourself and what you do well thank you for the amazing introduction there um so I started this about three years ago now um and it all stemmed from myself going through narcissistic abuse and me not really understanding why on earth I kept returning to an abuser that just kept abusing me I was so addicted um there was parts of me that hated him but there there was this huge pull of yeah but I love him he's not always like this um I can change him. I made it my responsibility to fix him. And I suppose that's being part of an empath. Um, You want to fix, you want to save. And narcissistic people always have this sob story that that their past life wasn't very good. And as an empath, you're drawn in by that because you think I will love you. I will take care of you. But unfortunately, it's all part of the plan to draw you in and and to ultimately abuse you and to mould you into the person that they want. So I couldn't take any more it got to the point where I attempted suicide twice and I was self-harming and that's probably my lowest point I couldn't take any more um so I left England I went to Australia and that's where I qualified as a counsellor 
Um, and that was my kind of healing, really understanding what was going on with me, my brain, my body. Um, and then I was actually going to go into drugs and alcohol um, recovery because I was very heavily involved in his recovery because he is an alcoholic. And I spent a lot of time in AA. I spent time in rehab centers, um, just being there and just listening to people's stories. And it just really amazed me of what you know it's not the substance it's it's the reason why behind it, it's the trauma that people use substances so I wanted to go into that but then this overtook my life narcissistic abuse just changed my life completely um, and I wanted to know the ins and outs of everything so I kind of just fell into narcissistic abuse recovery because when I was going through my own abuse I had two counsellors that one didn't tell me that I was in an abusive or coercive relationship at all. We kind of just sat there and just listened to me for about nine months. Nothing changed. Um, and the second one, we had couples counselling where he obviously portrayed himself to be the poor victim and I was the controlling, the manipulative one. And she believed him. So I was then sat there thinking maybe it is me maybe a, you know it must be me because even a counsellor is saying that I need to trust him I need to allow him to do what he wants as in drink but I knew that when he drank my abuse escalated into actually physical violence so I was terrified um so yeah I decided that's it I want to become a narcissistic abuse counsellor um and I've done so many courses and the education side of it I, I've really gone into the brain the nervous system and everything like that because once you know more about yourself and why you're responding in certain ways um, then you can really take control of your recovery it's really amazing to hear that you've taken such a you know obviously like traumatic experience for yourself and turned it into something that's now helping so many people and I can vouch for that when I contacted you, I was in a really, really dark place and you was the light for me, you know, and I think that, you know, without your help, I would be in a completely different place now um, if I hadn't reached out. And I was really, really nervous before reaching out to you because for a number of reasons, one very similar to what you said you know I wasn't sure if like maybe I was making it all up in my head I was like am mm. I am I actually a victim or you know have I am, am I the problem I, I guess I never had therapy before as well and I didn't know really what to expect and I just was like I don't really know if this is for me I think maybe maybe I'm the problem maybe you know I don't need you know narcissistic abuse recovery counseling maybe it's something else but the first session when I had with you was like a weight off my shoulders and it was literally like and I actually remember sitting on your couch <laughs> and I remember sitting on your couch and just feeling so heard and bursting out just in tears because I was like I actually feel heard and it's not I'm not making this all up so that was a huge huge turning point for me in my own recovery and I couldn't have done it without you did you find that when you came out of 
your relationship that you was a completely different person massively I was not confident anymore um I was wary of everyone I didn't trust anyone um and I had nothing I physically had nothing um leaving that relationship was one of the most hardest things I've ever had to do because not only had I become so codependent on him um but I also had nothing physically so I didn't have a job I didn't have a home he took my car away from me um he took everything away from me the only things I had was three black bags of clothes um and I did have two items so I had a watch and I had a really pointless engagement ring um and luckily I had those two items because I was able to sell them and that actually gave me the funds to then go and pay for my counselling course in Australia. It was really, really hard because I didn't know what to do. It was so daunting. I actually was speaking to a client last night and hearing that literally you get to that point where you are either going to die or you 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 have to make that leap of faith. And there's so many reasons why people don't leave relationships. I hate when I hear, well, if he's that bad, why didn't you just leave him years ago? It's not that simple. Your body does things to keep you safe. So your nervous system is telling you this is not a right time. So you could stay in a relationship for, say, two or five more years because it's not ready or you're not ready to leave that that scenario. It's not safe for you. Um, but, yeah, I was a totally different person. And I always say that you're never fully – there is no – there's no point where you're going to say oh I'm healed it is a healing journey you're always healing that you're always on that journey of recovery no one's going to then tell you congratulations you're healed you're recovered you're going to feel exactly how you want to feel now you're still going to have challenges you're still going to wake up with days and have that self-doubt but you'll have the tools especially when you're doing recovery therapy you have the tools to take control of those and to push through but narcissistic abuse does change you as a person it changes you mentally because this is an, it's a really severe type of abuse to go through to anybody listening right now if you are going through narcissistic abuse or just you know a toxic relationship or you or you feel like something's not right don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help because that was the best thing that I could have possibly done for myself and actually it opened up so much it opened up so much so many patterns of behavior in relationships that I didn't even realize were patterns it's super easy to and without even realizing fall into that same pattern because it's comfortable because it's something that you're used to or something that feels safe but it's not safe is there anything that you know you would say to anybody out there who's listening that is maybe repeating that same cycle and is struggling to break that cycle so there are there is there's a trauma bond element and actually it's because you become so addicted to this type of behavior. And this actually stems from childhood. Now, it doesn't mean that you have had, you've had um, narcissistic parents or anything like that, but something's happened as a child, which you then seek out unhealthy relationships 
you look for someone who's abusive you look for someone who is psychologically damaging because this is normality to you so people find that oh actually yes I've had probably about four or five narcissistic or toxic people relation type of relationships it's because it's become normality for you so many people have said to me oh I've come at this narcissistic relationship I've started seeing this person and he's so boring because you're not getting that intensifying oxytocin dopamine hit, which you do get when you're with a narcissist. Because at the beginning, you're getting lots of love, lots of attention, lots of um, affirmation. They're mirroring you. They're wanting to give you everything you've ever wanted. But very that's quickly, the, um, as soon as they... That's a love bombing, right? That's the love bombing part, yes. Um, as soon as they realise that they've got you, that mask will drop and then you will start seeing their their true colors because they start pushing the boundaries and to see how much that they can get away with because there because it is an addiction element and there is that oxytocin dopamine uh, chemical release which is incredible that's why people say it was the best relationship they've ever had in the way that they felt when it was good that's because this is the same hit that you'll get with heroin it is harder to come it's actually 20 times harder to come off a narcissist than it is heroin that's why recovery is really, really hard, but it's possible. Is, is that because of their very like addictive personalities? Because they are, they do come across as very charming in the beginning and very attentive and, you know, love bombing and you feel so special. And then that kind of gets taken away very, very quickly. And it's like a roller coaster. Is that one of the reasons why it's so addictive, would you say? Yeah, it's that push and pull element. So one minute you're you're getting lots of love, affection, um, the sex will be incredible, and then all of a sudden they just won't be emotionally available. They and and they'll put you down. So the person that put you on a pedestal is the person that's knocking you off it. Um, and then when you're down, your body is flooded with cortisol and adrenaline, which is that fear element. So it's going up when you're getting that massive hit, and then it's going down. And then you become so accustomed to this this pattern of chemical releases that this becomes normality for you. So you start to think, I've got to give loads and I've got to do certain things to be loved. And this, again, when we really go into the recovery side of it, we look at childhood. And to be honest, nine times out of 10, there is the same pattern as um, as a child of the child was constantly having to give the child was having to be a certain type of person to get that that love from that parent or caregiver um, so then that child associates that love hurts so even when you're older and you're in that narcissistic relationship the, the brain is still saying well love hurts I've got to do this I've got to do that and then I'll get rewarded with narcissistic love um, so there is a big big pattern that we have to look into that does stem from childhood what what you just said there love hurts mm. I used to in my past relationship normalize behavior which wasn't normal because I was like oh well all couples fight all couples have our their arguments all couples um nobody's perfect but in reality bawling your eyes out twice a week and being shouted at repeatedly and feeling like a nervous wreck every single week it's not normal but I normalized that it's 
it's it's a hard one because you're also being you're being gaslighted and you're being manipulated all at the same time while this is happening you are being made out that this is all your fault um which is unfortunately when we look back children also got that treatment as well well I did this, I, I did that. A child would never look at a parent and think you're the problem. The child will always internalize that. Um, and then you follow on this pattern of wanting to please, wanting to just get the love that a child always wants, that a child needs to grow up. Um, there's part of your nervous system, which is called the ventral vagal. And this is where you feel safe, you feel connected, um, you, you feel your worth, you feel your self-love. This actually is, is taught by our parents and caregivers. If this is not taught, then we, are, we grow up thinking that people are not safe, the world is not safe. So we either have to teach ourselves it in, in certain ways, or we grow up thinking, or we grow up not trusting anyone um, and never being safe, connected, and having that self-worth. And unfortunately, this is where narcissistic personality disorder can also form. So people can either become codependent or they can be people pleasers or other forms of personality disorders can take place. Mm. Would you say, so obviously there's a difference between somebody just being like a fuckboy and somebody actually being a narcissistic personality. What would you say are the kind of key differences between the two the term narcissist is somebody that it that it's all about their own needs and their own wants and um they're compulsive liars um they're manipulative they'll use gaslighting techniques um and you will start to feel ill in being an, in a narcissist company being a fuck person girl or boy um to me and my experience in with that is you're basically being used. You're there for a purpose and that person's purpose only. They're not really caring about your needs or your wants. Um, the, the word ghosting comes up a lot when we talk about that type of person. Um, could, unfortunately, these people don't walk around with these things tattooed on your head, on their head. So it's hard it really is hard to understand who these people are look at how this person is making you feel if if someone is making you feel unheard unwanted um remove yourself from their life don't don't have anything to do with them because a, a healthy person would not make you feel like this regarding whether they're a narcissist or whether they're a fuck person so just look at the way you're being treated if it's not and, and this also comes with boundaries. You have to have really strong boundaries of what you will and won't accept. If you come across a fuck person and they're not texting you back, it's all about um, sex on their terms and going out at night and not being introduced to people. That's not what you want. So remove them. You don't need to put up with someone else's behavior to please them. And this is where we need to look at ourselves as why we're actually putting up with this behavior. Yeah, definitely. I think if somebody's making you question your own worth or if somebody's behavior doesn't seem right or there's a few like pink or red flags, fucking walk away. You deserve so much better and you can find somebody like so much better. It's so it it's not I suppose it's not as easy as saying walk away because I've definitely been there before, you know, somebody 
you're interested in somebody and then they're not giving you the same energy back and then it's almost like you want them more because they don't want you so like it it can be hard um but it's knowing your worth and being able to say look this is not serving me this isn't good for my this is this isn't good for me you know because it is very it can be very up and down up and down but you spoke about your healing and well, I know that you said like, obviously healing is a constant process, but how you've healed yourself and you do a lot of work with your clients to help them heal. What would you say is, has, has been like monumental in your healing, but also what have you seen that has been really monumental in your clients healing from, you know, that session that they might come to you where they're in that pit they've they're they're in that pit and they feel like they can't get out to then finally going through that healing process and starting to flourish again what would you say are the things that help them through that process the biggest thing is to be heard and to be seen so when people finally get to me and for myself I needed to be believed I needed to say all the things that have been going on that I was actually questioning myself whether I was going crazy. And that's that's the sign where you've been very heavily manipulated and gaslighted, where actually you're questioning your own sense of reality. Um, so speaking to somebody that's narcissistically trauma-informed is so vital because you're then going to get that recognition of, I believe you, Everything you've said makes perfect sense and you're right. There there is the reason why you're feeling like this is because of what you've endured. Um, That then makes automatically what you expressed earlier, literally just you felt so much lighter because you're carrying around all of this guilt, shame, um, abandonment, rejection, all these types of things that could be even childhood wounds that are coming up again for you. And you need to, you just need to be told, oh, actually, this isn't you, this is them. Then you have the trauma element. So being in a narcissistic or toxic relationship, you're going to have a lot of trauma. Um, trauma therapy is vital because talking therapy is fantastic, but we can't actually access the part of the brain, the emotional part, the subcortex, which is where your trauma, your complex PTSD is stored. If we don't access that part of the brain, then we're never going to be able to heal and process that trauma, especially within my therapy that I do. I use brain spotting and I use that with every single client because you've that's the only way you're going to start healing trauma. Trauma's with you all of the time. It doesn't matter how long. It could be five, 10 years since that traumatic event happened or you left that narcissistic relationship. You're still going to have those traumatic wounds that's going to show up over and over again so when you're um triggered your brain goes back to that original time when you were in that traumatic experience so your body then starts to um react in the same way that it did when you were in that traumatic experience so that could be freezing where you shut down you can't get out of bed or it can be anger it could be where you're shouting when you you're self-destructive um it could be pain um pain controlling distraction addictions all those things your body is is doing things to try and protect you 
And unless you focus, unless you deal with that trauma, you're always going to have those responses. So when friends or clients have experienced that have been out relationships for three years and they're still not able to go into new relationships because they're feeling certain things, it's because there's unhealed trauma there. For me, a huge part in my healing that I'd just like to obviously add on top of what you just said there was starting to prioritize the stuff that brought me joy and starting Mm. to just prioritize myself again. So it was finding the spontaneous Lois, you know, going on trips, walking up mountains, going and actually experiencing life and having that zest for life again. So incorporating things that make you feel good. So I know that we've talked about this before briefly, exercise and nutrition is a key part of the recovery because, you know, if you're prioritizing your own mental and physical well-being, that's going to make you feel, it's obviously not going to solve everything, but it's going to at least help you to feel that bit better in yourself, which is something that I know that we've spoken about before and you encourage your clients to do in in their kind of recovery is to start prioritizing their physical and mental health would you say that your clients are quite receptive of that yes and the thing is for people when they first start seeing me they say how long is it until I start feeling better and I say, I can only go as fast as your nervous system will let me. So I, I first of all, I need to find out where their nervous system is sitting. So if, if they are, and just to quickly go through your nervous system, because this is really important, you have the dorsal vagal part of your nervous, your autonomic nervous system, which is where you start to feel that freeze element, that falling. So you might feel in, um, you might notice that you're isolating, you're, you've got numbing addictions, you're um, dissociated, um, feeling chronic fatigue. These are, these are the days or these are the moments when you physically can't get out of bed. So if a client's coming to me and not even able to get out of bed, we need to look at, okay, what is your body and what's your nervous system actually capable of right now? Even getting up, putting the TV on or getting up and um, having um, a cup of tea or having something to eat. That's in, that's, all we can all we can do with your nervous system at that particular moment then we have the sympathetic which is where you start to feel that fight or flight element so in this part of the nervous system you will have lots of adrenaline and um, a cortisol flooded which is why you're able to flight you're able to fight that doesn't mean you get on a plane and you go somewhere or that you're having a physical fight it means that you might get up and slam a door you might go to the gym or you've got so much there more energy and we look at right if you're in this part what can you do I'll go to the gym I'll meet up with friends I'll go hiking I'll go dancing I can sing so we have to look at what your body and your nervous system is capable of doing at that particular moment uh, then you have your ventral vagal, which is where you feel safe, connected and grounded. And sometimes I've seen people that have never even been in this part of the nervous system in their whole life. So you can't go from uh, dorsal vagal, which is life threat, even though cognitively your brain knows you're not about to die. But it's shutting down. It, it's, it doesn't it can't do anything. We can't jump from dorsal vagal to ventral vagal. It has to go through dorsal vagal, sympathetic, then ventral vagal. Um, so it's a process. 
if you're in freeze, we want to get you in sympathetic where you start to have that more energy and, and you could go to the gym and you could have, go and see friends. Um, so it's really starting to understand what's going on for you and what's showing up at that particular time. Recovery is not an overnight process and it's going to take time and there's going to be sometimes where you feel like you're moving forward and then you take a few steps back, you know, that, you know, is is just as important to be compassionate to yourself about because progress is never linear and that applies to recovery as well. So Emma, <laughs> you're in a healthy relationship now and I'm in a healthy relationship now. How was that for you going from being in something so incredibly unhealthy, toxic and damaging for you to now going into something so healthy? It's tough, really tough, because as I said before, your body is looking for this intensifying oxytocin dopamine hit that when you're with somebody healthy and normal, you don't get that intensifying oxytocin. You still get it, but it's not an unhealthy fix. Um, and it is a challenge because you're you're learning about being healthy again. Um, because I'd, I was in a healthy relationship with myself, but I didn't know how to be that person in the relationship because old patterns do fall back in, as in, I need to do what he wants to do to please him because otherwise he won't be happy with me and then he might punish me in a way as in like not talk to me. So questioning yourself a lot. It is definitely a process when you've come out of a narcissistic relationship. And um, the thing is that I'd come out of that narcissistic, narcissistic relationship and then I started to kind of venture into new or go out on dates and things like this. And I would literally see one red flag and that was it. They were out the door. I was extremely hard. I, I obviously wasn't ready to be in a relationship, but you are hypersensitive to people. And for me, I would see one thing and I'd be like, no, you're out, not interested. And people would say, God, you're really cold. Um, one person actually said are you sure you've not turned into a narcissist and I was like oh god maybe I have but that can't happen just because you've been in a narcissist relationship doesn't mean you become a narcissist it just means that your body is hypersensitive to certain situations and for me men were scary I was on you know, my sympathetic my nervous system was in sympathetic where it was fight or flight if any man was going to challenge me, I was going to completely shut him down and remove him from my life very quickly. Um, but then going into a healthy relationship, I was constantly waiting for, when's this red flag going to show up so I can remove you? Because I kind of was like, I'm just going to keep removing people because I feel in control. I feel, I feel in power now. Um, but unfortunately, no, well, fortunately, no red flag came up with, um, with Ollie. So it was, but I can't say that I didn't struggle. I just felt like, especially at the beginning, I was constantly waiting. When is this man going to drop his mask? Because he's too perfect. But there are healthy people out there. And Ollie has actually been a victim of narcissistic abuse himself. So he was also very aware of certain red flags and, and things like that. So we, we really understood each other. And 
for me, I was just able to be myself. I'm actually now a better version for being with him because he's taught me that I can trust people again. So it's just more about knowing the person and not rushing into things, even though people probably look at my life and think, wow, you have rushed into that relationship. But I honestly can say that I've never been happier in a relationship and everything is so normal and happy for me. So you have to just look at what your needs and your wants are. And if it, if that matches what you want, then just go with it. You're on your own timeline and you are the exactly. dictator of the decisions in your life. So don't let anyone else tell you what is right or wrong for you. Um, and it's just so amazing to hear like you're so happy. I'm just so happy for you. And Ollie is such a good egg. He is such a good egg. Um, and something that you said just there in that you got better with, you know, cutting people off and having boundaries mm. and like having your own, you know, standards really resonated with me because before I met my partner I was on a bit of a I guess dating spree and I would you know go on a date with you know somebody and then like a red flag would come up and then I'd be like nope and just not like just cut them off or just tell them this isn't for me um and it felt really empowering to do that I was like wow for once in my life I'm actually choosing myself whereas Lois three four years ago would have put up with that behavior and would have entertained that behavior and before I met my partner I was yeah definitely making those better choices for myself within my dating life and putting boundaries in place so when I met him I was like well, this feels, this feels safe. This feels normal. This feels healthy. There's no games. It felt very natural. It felt very normal, but that was weird for me. Mm. It was like, I was almost expecting something to happen or I was expecting him to be, be like a fuck boy or something, I guess, because it had just happened time and time and time and time again that you kind of just, I don't want to sound like pessimistic, but you're kind of just like, well, it's happened, you know, a hundred times before. So I mean, it's going to happen again kind of thing, you know, but when it didn't and when I started to see, wow, this is actually something incredibly healthy for me. I was like, yeah, I'm holding on to this. <laughs> and he's, yeah. he you know he's great and he makes me happy and um yeah I can say that this is probably the healthiest relationship that I have I have been in may it continue <laughs> exactly I know and that's it it's all about how you feel your your body will tell you that if they if you feel safe or not and especially with me and Ollie we're able to talk about anything so I I can openly say I'm not happy with this or I feel this or that really triggered me and we talk about it I mean I can honestly say that me and Ollie have never had an argument we've never mm. round and and in my past relationship in my in my toxic relationship we were constantly arguing constantly screaming shouting and 
you know, I was constantly slamming doors and he would say to me, you are so angry. You are the most angriest person and argumentative person I've ever been with. And I honestly thought that it was me, but yet I've come out of that relationship and I'm now in a, in a really healthy relationship that I've not had one argument in because we can mm. talk about things in an adult way. And now I look back and I think, God, narcissistic people are so immature. They are so childlike, you know, not talking to you and God, you really are immature. And I was falling into that. So I was probably also being immature because you do adapt to your surroundings, but it's the manipulation that they make you feel that, yes, it's you, but it's not. God, that resonates so much. Previous relationships, you know, it would very quickly become argumentative or, you know, quite hostile within the first couple of months of being Mm. together, which I thought was normal. And I'm it's still early days with me and my partner. We've only been together for five months, but we've not had one shouting match at one another. We've not, you know, argued to the point where one of us is crying and we're shouting at each other. You know, it's been very adult-like communication. I will bring it up to him. He's very receptive. He is very calm and he will take on board what I have to say it was a couple of months ago now we woke up in the morning and it must have it must have been about like yeah six o'clock in the morning we both got up we were both a bit kind of like half asleep I'd got my water bottle off of the shelf and I started to drink like some water and then I was so half asleep that I accidentally dropped it and I managed to spill loads of cold water over his back because he was like sat on the end of the bed and he like shot up right because obviously like he'd had this water like thrown over his back at 6am in the morning he's thinking what the fuck is this and he shot up and he was just like and he just was like oh and I literally was like looking at him waiting for him to turn around and shout at me and say like you stupid bitch like what the fuck are you doing like I was waiting for him to like shout at me and I looked at him and I was like oh my god I'm so sorry and he was like he was like, oh, that's all right. That's fine. And he just walked out of the room. <laughs> and I was just literally like, and then five minutes passed. And I went up to him and I was like, I'm so sorry for spilling that water down your back. I really didn't mean to. He was like, it's fine. I forgot about it. <laughs> and I, my like, you know, mm. central nervous system was all, all, like all prepared mm. to be, to be shouted at and to be, you know, made to feel like this big. And mm-hmm. the fact that he, I know, and I know that this is normal, normal behavior, right? Mm-hmm. From him, this is normal behavior. So it's not anything like heroic, but in comparison to what I thought I was going to get, the response that I was preparing myself to get and what I'm used to get, and that's when I realized that I was in a healthy, normal relationship. Yeah. Oh my so, God. I remember. So the biggest thing, it was so one of the things, for me was um he'd cooked dinner and he put my plate on the table and I'm talking about Ollie now um put my plate on the table and I took a bite and he was still in the kitchen and I and I quickly said I'm really sorry I didn't wait for you to get to the table and he was like what (laughs) I said I'm really sorry that I didn't wait for you because in my past relationship oh my god if I started eating without him at the table present I would get ridiculed for it so I my learned behavior was 
making sure that he was at the table, making sure that I was eating correctly with my knife and fork, because otherwise I'd be told, you're a child, can you not even hold your knife and fork properly? Um, or so many different things, but just seeing Ollie's response of, no, oh. <laughs> my nervous system went into, oh my God, what's gonna happen? It's gonna have a go at me. Um, I'm really, really sorry that, you know, that people pleasing and apologeticness, it's, um, and just getting that response was so refreshing. What would you advise to somebody that wants to start setting better boundaries in their relationship or wants to start using their voice a bit better? What would you advise? If you are sitting here listening to this and you are identifying that you're in a narcissistic relationship, setting boundaries is going to be hard. It can happen, but you just have to be careful because... When we say setting boundaries, they don't like boundaries. You know, they've, depending on how long you've been with that person, they've molded you into the person that you, that, that they want you to be. So for you to then say, well, no, actually, I'm not going to do that. Or, well, no, I'm actually not going to accept that type of behavior. They won't like that. So there will be punishment. Um, I would say if anyone's sitting here and, and listening to this and thinking, God, I'm in a narcissistic relationship. My body's going into fight and flight and freeze all the time. This is not a relationship you want to continue with. Now, it might take you six months, a year, three years to get out of the relationship, but start planning to get out because otherwise you're just going to get ill. You're going to get, you're exhausted, you're tired. Um, and you can, you know, 70 plus percent of um, chronic illnesses is due to stress. So IBS, skin conditions, um, hair loss, uh, muscle ache, all these type of things, IBS, um, UTIs, is could all be due to narcissistic abusive relationships because it's so much pressure on the body and the brain. Um, and you don't deserve to be in a narcissistic relationship. You know, know your worth. First of all, you've got to have a healthy relationship with yourself. And me and you, Lois, we have been through that journey. Um, of recovery and that's why we're in now in healthy relationships we've had to die we've had to do a lot of work on ourselves if you're not healed you're just going to take that trauma into your new relationship and if you are if you're if you are addicted to these types of personalities it's very common to then fall victim of another narcissist because this behavior is very normal so a lot of work does take into getting out, working on yourself, identifying what red flags are, having really healthy boundaries for yourself um, and self-care. I mean, self-care is huge in recovery. Um, gym, um, nutrition, uh, loads of different things that you can do, even reading or going and getting a hobby or building your confidence level. You have to do these steps and everyone says, oh, I just want to be better. As much as I would love to wave a magic wand or use my brain spotting stick as a magic wand, it doesn't work like that. Your nervous system has to take its time to do what it needs to do. And you have to do it at that pace. If it's say if, if you came to me, Lois, and you said, I just want to hurry up and get, get better. And I pushed you too much. Your nervous system would just be flooded and you, you, you wouldn't get better. You'd get worse. So you have to listen to your body, listen to your capabilities at that particular time, because if you're noticing that you're in freeze a lot, 
you can't go to the gym because that's just going to tell your nervous system of, oh my God, I'm in another safe, unsafe position because my heart rate's going up. I need to shut down. Um, so you just give your, give yourself really realistic goals, no matter how small they seem, it will only get you to the, to your, your bigger goals. And coming from somebody who did experience chronic fatigue, acne, stress mm. levels right up here um you know it did get better and I did recover and it is possible so you know me and Emma are examples that you can go through something like you know really traumatic and come out the other side and come back stronger so to anybody who is listening don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help because help is out there. Recovery is possible and you are strong enough to get through it. Is there anything that you would like to add, Emma, before we wrap up the podcast? I would just say at the beginning, if you're listening to this and you are identifying I this person I'm with is, is toxic, join a support group either on Facebook or Instagram start to learn as much as possible about narcissistic personality disorder so you're able to categorize the behavior of what you're receiving it's very easy for a narcissist to use deflection to use gaslighting techniques to try and make out as if you're the problem um so once you're able to see it you can't unsee it in the sense that you can categorize where well, you're deflecting right now you're gaslighting me you're manipulating me um, and that gives you your power and control back reach out to friends family a support network is really vital when you're going through narcissistic abuse because you need other people to not only reconfirm but just be there for you um, and then eventually reach out to say a counselor make sure they're narcissistically trauma informed um, I would say talking therapy is fantastic but when you're dealing with narcissistic abuse there's a hell of a lot of trauma there and you have to do trauma therapy to get yourself through that recovery process but just have that self-belief that you wasn't put on this earth to be abused by a narcissist. You were put on this earth to live your life and to live your best life and just to go for it. Thank you so much, Emma. That's also helpful. And thank you so much for your time today. Where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, social media, you can get me at Victims of Narcissistic Abuse Support Group, um, which has grown so much. I think there's over 33,000 members now. That is a really good support network if you want to reach out and just have somebody that totally understands you. Um, and www.mytraumatherapy.co.uk mm-hmm.